It's episode 119 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Jason Perez. Hello! Let's get started. Tell me about the Edinburgh International Improv Festival 2019. What's that all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I've created this festival, as you said, it's called the Edinburgh International Improv Festival. Um, and yeah, it's, it's inaugural year is going to be 2019. It's going to be February 7th through the 10th, uh, in Edinburgh, and it's going to be the first ever improv festival in Scotland. Um, and yeah, so really excited about that. And, uh, we've already announced uh, three of our main teachers we're going to be announcing our fourth one shortly um, so far we have Colleen Doyle and Jason Schatz who of course are a part of the amazing two person group Dummy and then we also uh, have John Murray who uh, is famous for being in groups like Death by Ruru um, and also the amazing UCB Herald team Bastion as well. Um, And he also has a really cool podcast as well that I'm going to plug called Bosscast in which he goes through uh, how much, how important Bruce Springsteen uh, has Ah. been in his life and everything of that nature. Um, But yes. I happen to be a big Bruce Springsteen fan, so uh, I will be checking that out. Uh, I had a friend. Oh yes, please do. <laughs> I had a friend at university who was absolutely obsessed uh, with uh, Springsteen, and it, it rubbed off on me. So I will be checking that out. So thanks for the recommendation. Do carry on. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, so yeah, so we have those three people uh, so far as our uh, main headlining teachers. As I said, we're going to be still announcing one more, um, and also our applications for this are closing at the end of this month. So they're closing on the 31st, so everyone has about uh, nine days left to still apply. Uh, we're running our applications through the Improv Network, um, which you could check out at theimprovnetwork.org, which is a awesome site. I don't know if you're on it, uh, actually, but uh, it's an awesome site that has... I tried <laughs> yeah, to log it, in. I will say... I, yeah. it, 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 it could be a little finicky. If you have applied and you haven't got an email yet, I will say uh, check your spam folders because that's where most of those emails that you haven't received have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome site that is pretty much has over 100 different improv festivals from around the world. Most of them, of course, being in uh, the States. Uh, but now, of course, you have the Edinburgh one. You have uh, a couple in Amsterdam, a couple in uh, Sweden as well on there. Um, so yeah, that's how we're having people apply for the festival. Um, but if you've also have any questions and you want to get a hold of us, uh, and that's me or uh, Michelle, who is re- uh, the executive producer for this festival, I honestly could not be doing any of this if it wasn't for her. Um, uh, email email us at contact at edimprovfest.com. So edimprovfest.com. Dot com, and uh, we'll happy to answer any of your questions. Um, but one of the cool things that we're also doing with this festival is not only do we have team submissions that are uh, so for teams to submit from anywhere around the world, but we also are doing this special thing that's become kind of popular back in the States called ensemble submissions uh, as well, in which people from around the world that either uh, don't have a team currently that wants to travel out to Edinburgh or just find it too expensive to be able to travel with the team can apply just as a single rider and they'll be put on a team with other ensemble submissions and they'll get a 30 minute performance spot as well as a special coaching session with a coach to soon be announced as well. So yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, so those those are some those are some little uh, tasty uh, little mm-hmm. tasty treats, but um, but yeah, this festival especially um, because obviously I, uh, I don't know if you could tell from my accent, I'm <laughs> I'm not from <laughs> I'm not from Scotland. I'm, I'm not from, yeah, I'm not from Scotland, and so because I'm not from Scotland and uh, my experiences with the American improv scene. I'm running this festival from more of an American improv festival. 
uh, sort of point of view and a way of shaping it uh, in comparison to a lot of people might have experience with the fringe or uh, with other improv fests, uh, whether it's Birmingham or anything of that nature, that runs things slightly different than we do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's more of being able to get together with a bunch of like-minded people that all love this art form, doing a bunch of workshops during the daytime, shows at nighttime. Um, and yeah, it's going to be jam-packed and a lot of fun. So, yeah. yeah. No, that sounds great. Well, I would encourage people to get involved and come along and apply and all that sort of stuff. Oh, um, thank you so much. <laughs> that's all right. Um, uh, so uh, let's uh, let's um, let's 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 go back in time and let's explore your oh, improv yeah. origin story. How did you first discover <laughs> improv? Okay, so I first so I honestly started doing it when I was a child. Um, so I started when I was like six or seven years old. And uh, so uh, at that time, I, so I grew up outside of Los Angeles and I was doing, I was doing like film and television auditions, things of that nature. I'd recently gotten an agent and uh, one of my agents suggested to my mom that I go to this like acting class that happened on Saturdays in LA. And uh, half of the class was reading in front of a different casting director uh, each each week, and then the other half was an improv show. Oh wow! And of course, yeah, and of course, it was a bunch of children, so it was utter garbage. It was honestly <laughs> Like looking back on the shit that we did, it, <laughs> it was horrible short form. And and I do like most of what I do now is long form, but I have a very very warm spot in my heart for short form. Um, and especially when it's done well. Uh, but looking back on that, it's just embarrassing just thinking some <laughs> of the shit that we would put up on stage. And and I have to I have to thank my mother from the bottom of my heart because she would drive me to this every week and she would watch these stupid, horrible shows <laughs> and be so such a supportive mother. Um, but yeah, so I started doing it there. And uh, because of where I grew up in the LA area, uh, as I as I got older, uh, we I had Comedy Sports LA oh, yeah. uh, there. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Comedy Sports is it's a competitive short form improv. And so I had Comedy Sports LA, and uh, at my high school they had a comedy sports team as well. And so I would see all these, I would see improv all the time. And it was just, it was just, it surrounded me. And I, and at that time, all I knew of was short form improv. And to me, that's all it ever was. And um, I just, yeah, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with the showmanship aspect, especially of what comedy sports did, especially what, uh, what the referees in the show did. I cared more about what they did than what the actual improvisers would do. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with this idea of, of how to not only do improv but do a legit show while mm. doing it, um, and so yeah, then I uh, went down to college in San Diego and um, joined uh, the National Comedy Theater, which is the same thing as Comedy Sports. It used to be the same thing, and then there's a split, which we could <laughs> talk about uh, the, the war, the war of short form between James Bailey and Gary Kramer uh, that took place in Southern California. But um, <laughs> I don't know how many people would actually be interested in listening to that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of lawsuits incurred. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that in the pub rather than on a podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, so um, joined National Comedy Theater, and that's, and then from there, f- saw my first ever long form show, and it was an ASCAT at UCB, oh, yeah. and it honestly, and it changed my life. Uh, I saw it. It was during um, uh, there's a, there's a uh, improv festival called the College Improv Tournament that was created by Jonathan Pitts, and. Um, uh, so be, I, I went up with a college improv group and we performed at the festival and then yeah we all went over to see ASCAT and it was one of the most yeah groundbreaking groundbreaking things I ever saw and so I just fell in love more so and decided that's what I want to do for the rest of my life so yeah wow um, yeah. but 
But improv has occasionally got you into trouble, such as being kicked out of university. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> okay, so um, I, I, it sounds more ominous than it, <laughs> it sounds more ominous than it actually was. Um, so I went to uh, I went to a very strict uh, private Christian university. Uh, down in San Diego. At the time, I used to be religious. I'm fucking not anymore. But um, uh, still love to everyone who uh, supported me when I was younger because they're <laughs> good people. But um, but yeah, I'm just not really religious anymore. And uh, so I was at I was at this university, and it's like I, when I say religious, like we weren't allowed to dance on campus. Wow! Like it was straight yeah, up yeah. footless. Like it was yeah, yeah. it was footless rules. And um, there's actually a, there's it's it's always cool seeing the people that come out there because there's another amazing improviser from the LA scene uh, named Ali Beardsley who also came up with sort of the same background that I did of. Uh, being raised very religious and then being like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? There's a lot of things things that uh, you guys are against that uh, we are for. Like, like I would say, honestly, like for me, like the whole treatment of homosexuality at the school was a big... uh, uh, was probably the thing that caused me to lose my uh, faith in religion. Right. But um, so yeah, so I went to this school, and while I was there, I went there originally um, to get a degree in business um, because, as I said earlier, I grew up doing film and television, and uh, my mom all the time, when like taking me and stuff, would always be like, "Okay, now see those people over there that you just worked on that set with, like." They're struggling. Like, they're barely making ends meet. Do you want to be like one of those people? <laughs> and I was like, God, you're right, Mom. Like, I don't. I uh, I want to be, I want, I want to have a real job. And so I had some scholarship opportunities to go elsewhere uh, to do, like, performing arts stuff. But I was like, nah, I'm going to get a real job. So I went to Point Loma and I got, went there for a business degree. And my first day of school, I walk in and the guy's like, I'm not going to teach you anything. You're going to teach yourselves. And I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> so I immediately went, immediately changed, I immediately changed my, uh, my degree to psychology instead and finished off with psychology. But uh, while I was there, I was like, I, this is stupid. I don't enjoy this at all. Also, our university was on the beach and I surfed a lot at the time. And so it was a, it was a five minute walk from my dorm room to the water. And so I was like, why go to class when you could just surf all the time? Um, and, but also at this time, uh, is when I joined national comedy theater and saw ASCAD and all that stuff. And so I was like, Oh my God, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I, like call, nothing here at Point Loma is giving me anything to do that, so I just would s- kind of stop going to class. Uh, <laughs> my mom's probably watching this and is probably going to be uh, pissed off uh, hearing me talk about this right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I kind of, kind of just stopped going. Like I'd still go to class every once in a while, but I was also driving up to LA, which was a two-hour drive one way with no traffic. Wow. Um, about every other day, every like th- every other day, every three days to either go take a class at UCB or to go see shows at UCB or anything of that nature. And so I was always gone. And then, and then I'd be coming back home. Like I'd drive up just to see cage match at 11 PM. And then immediately afterwards, drive back down to San Diego, get back in at about one o'clock, go to bed. And then I was supposed to wake up for a class the next morning and of course I wouldn't. I would just <laughs> stay in bed and be like, ah, oh, it's all right, I'll get the next one. And then my grades literally plummeted. And um, and I, I met with the vice provost and they're like, okay, well, uh, we gotta kick you out. And so I got kicked out for a day and due to technicality, I got back in uh, wow. the very next day. And I was, and I was like, ha, lesson learned. Never gonna do that again. <laughs> but of course, le- lesson wasn't learned. The very next semester, I just kept on doing the same thing and got kicked out like for a good year that time went to went to a JC I was homeless for a while really? uh, my my yeah like my improv coach at the time Marina Mastros who now is uh, an improviser in LA she used to be um, 
She used to run uh, the diversity program at iOS before that closed. Um, but she's she's an amazing person. Honestly, everything that has happened in my life due to improv comes always back to her. She's she's my everything in the improv world. Um, but like she like put me on her couch. Like she gave me a place to live. Like she. Yeah, but so yeah, I was homeless for a while and I, because I was like, I was dating a girl in San Diego. So I was like, I don't want to leave San Diego, but I still want to keep on doing improv in LA and I don't want to live with my mom right now. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll just sleep out of my car and do all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so got my grades back together, got back to, to uni and yeah, graduated <laughs> and I haven't done anything with my psychology group degree since. <laughs> so. Well, maybe not deliberately. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah, of course, of course. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many things when playing characters and things of that nature where I'll think about stuff from a psychological point of view and be like, oh, that's oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like, let's play it as if this character had this sort of disorder, or this way of thinking, or anything of that nature, just to give it a little bit more richness, a little bit more fun. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. There are there are lots of things in my life that I realised in retrospect that they were preparation for improv, uh, you know. So all oh, sorts of, of things, you know, all all sorts of times when my life where I thought I was wasting my time, and actually it turned out to be preparation <laughs> for improv. So that was a that was a lucky. Yeah. Um, so yeah, of course. And I will also I, I I will also say because I did leave out this part as well is during this period where I got kicked out of uni. I also was introduced to the TV show One Tree Hill. Oh, Have right. you ever heard of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, star- starring Chad Michael Murray. Um, well, I got introduced that, and I kind of fell in love with it, and I just started binging it all the time. Right. And so that's another reason why I stopped <laughs> going to class, was literally so I could binge One Tree Hill. Um, so yeah. Um, ladies, I'm a well-rounded individual. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but now you're in uh, you're in Edinburgh. You in Edinburgh? Yeah, I'm in Edinburgh. Yeah, so actually, I just I just moved to Edinburgh. I was living in Glasgow before. Oh right. Um, I don't I don't want to throw my uh, Glaswegians under the bus uh, <laughs> because I do I do, I do love Glasgow so 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 much. Um, but yeah, I just uh, moved to Edinburgh and. Uh, the place I moved into has a cat named Gustavo, who is the cutest freaking thing in the world, <laughs> and is keep and is keeping me out of depression, which is very nice. Yes. So, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. I moved. I moved out here to Scotland, and uh, probably at the most opportune time, due to the shit show that is my country, right <laughs> <now>. and. <laughs> Uh, not, not to really say that uh, here's any better right now, but uh, <laughs> like, you'll uh, notice but, I'm not criticizing least, anyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, at the same time, like you, like you guys don't have a fiery trash bin uh, that uh, molests people as uh, your leader right now. So yeah, yeah. who knows? I mean, you know, yeah. maybe we're ahead on points, but still, not uh, not anything to uh, brag about. Um, and you're yeah, exactly. So you're currently performing uh, with a couple of groups with Couch. Have I said yeah, that right? So uh, Couch, yeah, yeah, yeah. Couch, uh, Couch is an awesome team. Uh, it's uh, three of us currently. Uh, it's Martin and Hannah, who are this cute couple uh, up here in Glasgow, who uh, I just happened to luck into coming out here, and they're like, "Hey, come guest with us." and I uh, came guesting a show with them. They're like, "Hey, do you want to stick around and play and like play with us uh, forever?" And I was like, "Yeah, hell yeah, let's do that." Um, but yeah, so they're an awesome team uh, based out of Glasgow, and they run a Herald Night out here. All right, cool. Um, uh, on the first on the first Tuesday of every month at Blackfriars Pub, uh, which is really fucking awesome. And uh, it's also, I will say it was kind of weird coming out here and uh, to see the only long form show that was happening in Glasgow when I first got out here to just be a Herald night. Mm. Um, Just because to me, like uh, that's, it was such a weird, it was such an interesting, weird way to introduce, introduce the community and audience base to long form Mm. as the Herald, which I think might be the most Un or like inaccessible format that there <laughs> might be, 
uh, for audiences. I have but, been. But, uh, yeah. So I was just going to say, I've been quoted on here as not being a fan of the Herald. I think. See, I... It's a training tool. No. Fine. But when I see a group and I go, hello, we're whatever, we're going to do a Herald, I'm like, oh, good. Not saying all Heralds are bad. See, that's... But many of them no, are. I, no, I and I completely agree. the The Herald is. I th- the, there's a reason why. There's a reason why uh, theaters like um, Free Association and UCB really take so much time to focus on the Herald because the Herald truly does teach everything that you need in improv in one format mm. and it's and it's it's true it's a it's a brilliant it's a brilliant fucking format for that um but i do agree that the amount of teams that do heralds to the amount of teams that do heralds well there's, <laughs> there's a large gap um but at the same time when it's done well i think it could be some of the best fucking improv that you'll see uh, like I, I, tr- I do truly believe that, but you do have to see it done well. Um, like, of course, I, I like to think that our team is doing it well, but who knows? <laughs> uh, we, we, we could be a pile of shit. But like, of course, you see teams out there. Like back in the states, you'd see teams like Bangarang, or, um, or you'd see. Um, Arts and Athletics when they used to be a Herald team, or even teams like Bastion, which John Murray uh, used to be a part of. And just every every night, it didn't matter what night it was, but you go and see Bangarang do a Herald, right. you walked yeah. away being like, oh my God, like I, that that is what, that's what we should all be aiming mm-hmm. for every single show that we mm-hmm. do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's my feeling on the Herald. Yeah, no, <laughs> and, and I would agree. And if, if, uh, if it's a good show, actually it doesn't really matter what format it is um i just think there there are so many different formats you could be doing i i'm getting it's there's a little bit of a barrier for me where i'm like oh okay so we're doing a herald okay fair enough whereas there are lots of other things you could also be doing as well so that's you know yeah and and honestly honestly i think that's I think that's formats in general, mm. and I think it's uh, well two things. Uh, Billy Merritt recently, uh, who's a great teacher from back in the states, recently wrote a post. And I'm going to paraphrase this horribly, but he wrote a post pretty much being like, "When, when you first start learning the Herald, you're like, Jesus Christ, this is the hardest thing in the world," and then all of a sudden you learn it for a while and you're like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I want to always do a Herald. The Herald's <laughs> the and then after a while, then after a while you hit this point where you're like, oh, the Herald's the worst. It's so restrictive. I hate it. It's blah, blah. And then you hit this final stage where it's like, oh, like if you're finding it restrictive, like you're not doing it right. It shouldn't be restrictive at all. It should actually be a very freeing, but it's not until you hit that last, right. that very last level. It's almost like this level of enlightenment that leaves you being like, Oh shit! Oh, this is this is wonderful. This is such a fun thing to be playing right now. Um, but uh, no, I think. But as I was saying about forms a uh, second ago. Sorry, I also have terrible ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was saying about forms a second ago, is that I think every form it tends to be restrictive. We all get in this. We all get in the sense as improvisers, and I think especially younger or like earlier improvisers uh, really get into this thing where they start seeing formats and they're like, "Oh my god, I want to learn this format." No, I want to learn this format. No, I want to learn that. Like this format, if I create my own format, it's gonna break the world of improv mm-hmm. and stuff of that nature. Which, which I love. I love. Uh, I love that uh, idea, that mindset from young improvisers because it does push people that have been doing it longer to try new things and to be like, okay, sure, why the fuck not? Let's see how well this goes or see how big it, how big it fails. Um, but uh, it's, uh, but yeah, I feel like a lot of times we get stuck in this thing where like, oh, the format will save us. If we do this, if we do a good format, we'll do a good show. It's like, mm. no, stop, stop thinking about the format. If you do good improv, you'll have a good show. Yeah. And then it, once you're doing good improv, then we could place any format we want on top of that good improv and you'll, you'll be doing the best show of your life. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't Yep. No, I, yep, yep. I, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, uh, you're also performing with the cutting room. Yeah, so uh, the Cutting Room is a awesome team. Uh, that's an Edinburgh-based team. 
Uh, we did a full run at uh, the Fringe this past year. It was my first Fringe, and All right. did it kick the shit out of me. <laughs> um, I just <laughs> I somehow decided to do seventy performances ah. in twenty four days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In retrospect, yeah. you can see where the problem was with that. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, so, uh, but the cutting rooms, uh, cutting rooms, a fun team. And pretty much the whole idea of it is that it's just purely cut twos. Um, and so, yeah, the only edit you could do is a cut to, and it takes you ah, in weird places that's and interesting. you end up doing weird shit with it. But yeah, it was started by, uh, Peter Aitchinson and, uh, Gregor, uh, and it's, yeah, it's uh, and I'm sure there's some other people as well, but uh, they were gone before I even got there. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it's a really, it's a really fun show uh, that's done by a bunch of cool people that I've been blessed to be able to uh, perform with here and there, uh, uh, which is really nice. I mean, that's a really interesting yeah. uh, format that I haven't heard of before. Um, well, I could t- sort of talk, t- t- sort of talk through the sort of. You know the how how the show works. Do you have? Do you ask for a suggestion at the beginning? Uh, where does always cutting to th- something take you? Um. So yeah. Um. Well. So it was actually interesting because with with this fringe run that we did, uh, because I guess in fringes past they'd always had just like. Uh, a, a rotating list of guests. So it was different people every night, and so there really was no, there really was no set thing that they ended up actually creating from it. They'd always be different all the time, which is an awesome way to do it. Um, but when I when I came in to be a part of it with this fringe, I was like, let's really try to focus on having always try to get the same cast as much as possible. And then on top of that, like let's really try to take this format to a new level and see how it works best, how it doesn't work, things of that nature. So yeah, so show starts. Um, after warming up the audience a little bit, we get a one word suggestion. And and I would always ask for, a, uh, this is just me personally, I always ask for a one word suggestion that is not a food or an animal. Uh, but that's just because... No, that's brilliant. Yeah, I feel, that's I feel like... really, really good. I, yes, because otherwise <laughs> that's what you get. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, and also, I feel like that. That yeah, it's what audiences always pull, and I feel like I, it's something. Not that there's something wrong with getting the same suggestion multiple times, because obviously, as an improviser, you should be able to pull as much as you possibly can from that. Yeah. yeah but um, but like it, it always when you start making people think outside the box, you start getting really weird, really cool suggestions. They're like, oh, that's awesome. I've never actually played to that idea before. Mm. Um. But, uh, yeah, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you got one tip from me today, only yes. ask for suggestions that aren't food or animals. No, that's, um, uh, that's really good. Uh, but, yeah, so we get a suggestion, and uh, what we ended up finding out actually ended up being the most fun was our first three scenes that we do, we sort of do almost Harold-like, in that each scene is taking whatever that word means to you and pulling out into three completely different uh, ideas, three completely different mindsets that really don't have that much carryover or crossover with them. Um, Because what would happen is because it's an hour long show. So if you start doing, if you start, if you start having everything be related right at the top, by the time you hit the 30 minute mark or even the 40 minute mark, you're losing steam. You're losing so much gas because you really haven't let your world go as big as it really should at the top. So you really want to let that world get as big as possible towards the top. Figure out what all those funny things are that you're going to hit, all those fun games that you might play, might come back to. And then after you go wide, you start bringing it in more and more and more and more. And it just gets quicker and quicker with your cut twos and everything of that nature. Um, but yeah, so you're cutting to different characters, you're cutting to different ideas, different scenarios. Uh, sometimes you'll follow a story, and then after you've followed a story for some time, sort of like a slacker, you might all of a sudden jump to something completely different, or uh, something of that nature. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it, it, ended up being a, it ended up being a very fun show to do, and we ended up getting great audiences for it during the Fringe as well, which was awesome ah, so, so yeah that sounds great um and you also run the kinky fish improv jam tell me about that yeah so uh that's that's another thing that uh i was approached by uh, a gentleman by the name of john carstairs and uh 
and my amazing uh, executive producer for the festival, uh, who is his significant other, uh, Michelle. Um, Michelle Mackay. Uh, she has a last name. Um, <laughs> so uh, they, they, uh, they approached me um, and another really great improviser in our scene named Jill. Uh, who's a part of an all-female troupe called the Tinderellas? Ah, yes, and, I that. Yeah. Uh, they, they, yeah, they uh, came to us with this idea of like, hey, uh, there isn't that much jam sort of nights going on, and the jam night that had been running in Edinburgh was kind of being taken away from the scene, and so they're like, we kind of want to do something here, and uh, so originally their idea was to do short form night. And I was like, that's that's fine and all, but honestly, the only way that I'm going to be a part of this is if we run this as a long-form jam night. Um, I have no problem with short-form jams, but with the way that the improv scene is currently moving and the just how we're moving as an art form, uh, long-form is really what we should be focusing more on. And uh, so, yeah, we pretty much uh, designed this night. So the first hour is a workshop. Uh, the second hour is a bring your own team jam. So if you have a team that just wants a little bit of time, you bring your team, sign up on a slot. You get about anywhere from eight to 15 minutes, depending on how many teams uh, show up. And then uh, the last hour is an open long form jam in which pull names out of a hat, put them onto teams of about six people. And uh, with one of us hosts always being on one of the teams just to help make sure everyone is a part of it and guide them along the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and it's a free night that we do uh, out here, which uh, it's, it's a bucket, uh, bucket at the end if anyone feels so inclined to uh, give back to help us run it. But you don't have to. But yeah, it's a, it's a really fun night. It's something that uh, we all felt like this scene really needed, and it's, and it's been taken to very positively by the scene which is always awesome to see and yeah doing uh doing a lot of fun things with that which is and we we've been having guest teachers also come up like we had phil whelan uh from uh yeah grand theft improv uh come up and uh yeah we also recently had josh simpson and jake jabor uh who do the meet improv podcast mm. back in la and who are also both phenomenal teachers if you if anyone is in LA that's listening to this <laughs> please take them as teachers because I cannot talk more highly about these two <laughs> um, but yeah especially and if also you see Josh uh, give him a little hug because the Milwaukee Brewers uh, got beat by the LA Dodgers and he's <laughs> really sad about that right now um, but yeah uh, so yeah we get a lot of cool teachers coming up same thing with the uh, Glasgow Herald Night uh, Martin who Martin who's on couch with me and runs uh, Glasgow Herald Night also has started Glasgow uh, Improv Jam as well. Oh, wow. And so he's been also been getting a lot of cool teachers coming over here as well from there. So uh, we have Alan Starzynski, who is a great improviser from both New York. I think he recently moved out to L.A., but I think uh, that's newer. He wasn't there when I was in L.A. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, he's coming out here to teach some cool stuff as well. So, yeah, we're always, we're always excited to bring over some uh, big names and have them help out and things of that nature. So... Well, that sounds great. Um, you've also you also teach yourself. You, you you teach. You don't teach yourself. Maybe you teach yourself. You know what I mean. You have also been teaching. <laughs> you also teach. Yeah, yeah. I've been teaching for nine years now. Um, and yeah, absolutely. I love it. Honestly, teaching teaching is I I honestly sometimes enjoy more than performing. Really. Um. But yeah, honestly, like there's. Uh, my my mom always said I should I should go to school for teaching. And I never wanted to, but um, it seems it seems like she was right. And I should have listened to her. Uh, as seems to be many life lessons from my mom uh, mm. <laughs> that I can that I can look back on. But uh, yeah, I I absolutely love it. And so teaching, I one of the things that I wanted to do out here that they're really wasn't that much of before it was really a structured class system uh here in scotland uh and eventually have it culminate with the final class and then have house teams be formed out of those final classes to really push people to not just want to take classes but have something to shoot for as well so that way it continues to build the scene and uh, things of that nature. I have a, I have a question for you actually Ooh. because I'm terrible at answering is, questions but I will do my best. <laughs> 
So this is this was something that was interesting to me. Now back in the states, uh, the idea of having coaches for teams is very common. Mm. In fact, uh, almost almost every indie team or every practice group has a coach. Mm. But I noticed that in Scotland, like that that was a very foreign idea to mm. people in Scotland. Is that is that something that is that all indie teams or long form groups have coaches or seeking out coaches or what's 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 it like down there for yeah, you guys um i think it's pretty commonplace um okay. i think so um i'm just trying to think of my experiences of being on teams um sometimes um members of the team will take it in turns to act as a coach or if they've been along to a class they'll bring back what they've learned from the class and share it with the rest of the team um, but I'm really a big fan of having uh, an external voice come in yes because I'm really yes, I, I yeah I just you know just uh. if they're gonna be notes then you want it from an external person you don't want to be noting each other that's yes. a recipe for disaster yeah, I, I am I am a uh, a big uh, big proponent of not having uh, people coach their own teams mm. because yeah that gets that gets that gets really dicey. There mm. are few occasions where where you all understand or like okay we all are on the same footing we all respect each other and everything of that nature. But it's the moment that you're on a team where some people feel like they know more than yeah. others and all of a sudden they start giving. It, yeah, it's, it becomes a very dangerous situation mm. that is not healthy for teams. Mm. Um, hmm. Okay. Okay. So, when you're teaching, what is the most common note that you give? Um, uh, God, what is, the, what is the most common note that I give? Um, I could probably, there. one of my students is right now in the other room. I could probably yell at him and, <laughs> and, uh, have, and have him tell me what it is that I always uh, tell him. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like so often it comes, it, it's a lot of the same things. It just, uh, a common note that I give is just like, fight, fight like you love, not like you hate. Yeah. Um, because... Which, which I honestly think is so important because so often, especially with newer improvisers, we get into these we get in these situations where we're doing a scene and all of a sudden there becomes an argument situation and it's just oh, okay, <laughs> thank you. My student just commented on this saying oh, that's true. My main other thing is what's the game? Okay. Is that that is something that because especially with my UCB background and everything of that nature, I do teach very heavily from a game point of view mm -hmm. but uh no but also five uh, just because when we people get in these bickering situations they just bicker like like it's like fuck you like mm -hmm. why why would you do this to me it's like whoa stop like no you if you love that person yes. like you you aren't telling them off because you want to never see them again you're telling them off because something that they did hurt you so much but and the reason why you're so mad is because this person that loves you hurt you so much yes. and so yeah you still might be fiery but in the end you still want a reason to not you aren't breaking up with them right now and sure there are those scenes where it's like no get out of there like there there will be scenes where i'm like why are you still here yeah, yeah, yeah. this person is obviously a sociopath get mm. out of the room figure out any way to get out of this scene but most of the time that's not the case and when it's not the case it's like no figure out a reason why we still love each other yeah. and i'm not saying i'm not saying we should always come to a middle ground of like oh you i want you to do this you want me to do this let's find the middle ground no because that's not always that always ends up leading to sort of lukewarm improv mm. but figure out a way of still having strong point of view but loving each other in the yeah. end um I, I don't know that's uh yeah that's that's something that uh, I, or also just uh, the other one I'll give is just like, why are we in a blank white box right now? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because I was just like, give me something. Like you, you know where you are. Like you, when you came out on this, when you came out here, you had an idea for something. And if you didn't have an idea for something, that's fine. At least build something around you so then something will come of that at least the people around you and the people backstage and the people that are walking watching from the back line could be like oh great 
I know where they are right now. So at least if I know where they are and I'm on the back line, I might not be able to help them just with their two characters, but I can at least scene paint around them and continue adding on things to truly make this environment be something beautiful and actually entertaining to watch instead mm. of just two, two, uh, and two people just talking heads at each other, blah, 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 back and forth, which is boring as we know. Um, but yeah, those are probably those are probably some of the most those, common. Those, uh, those are all great, yeah. great notes. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, no problem. Do you uh, find you learn well from an improv books? Um, and if so, do you have a favorite improv book that you would recommend to the listeners? Um, I. I personally, I, yes and no. Um, there are some books that are written for, like, so as I said, I have really bad ADHD. So for me, reading is actually really painful mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that it takes me, um, for most books, it'll take me six times reading a page to actually grasp what I read without my mind going anywhere. So by the time I get anywhere into a book, I'm, I'm like, I, I have no idea what I've read and I'm just so frustrated that I just want to give up and stop trying. Um, and so books aren't always the best for me. However, uh, Will Hines book, uh, which came out last year, how to be the great, how to be the greatest improviser in the world. God, if I hope I didn't get that title wrong, I might've butchered that. Um, but I think that that is a phenomenal book. I really do. And I think that improvisers everywhere should uh, check out that book. Um, because first off, Will Hines is an absolute genius. I love the way he plays and the way he teaches is even is just as good as the way he plays. Um, and uh, yeah, he's he's just he's just a genius and a madman. I love him. So, yes. Uh, how to be the greatest improviser on earth. Um, but I had to look that up. Thank you. But yes, I agree. That's a really, really great book. Cool. Yeah, um, it's it's and like of like like I will say like of course like uh, like I I will always push the UCB handbook on people. I'll be which, like just yeah. like read this like it, especially when it comes to like me having to teach people game and stuff of that nature out here where there isn't that many examples of that mm -hmm. out here. Um, uh, it's like, look at this or, or even another teaching tool. I always show people when I'm like, uh, this is, this is how you do Like when I start teaching just like the game and long form and stuff of that nature is I make everyone watch the upright citizens brigade as cat, uh, the one that yes. has both the regular video. And then there's also the audio commentary uh, that you can watch as well of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't have, I have you watched that. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I always I always push all my students to watch both of those because first off you get a sense of okay this is what this is, and then afterwards with the audio commentary you have Matt Besser, Matt Walsh, and Ian Roberts breaking down different game moves, things that they're looking at, things that they're hearing, things that they're pulling from the story, which is all really great things to hear, and so that way it's it's not just me and my stupid face <laughs> just telling my students, hey, uh, <laughs> hey, do this. And they're like, well, why should we do that? I'm like, well, the, these smart guys over here say to do it as well, so yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, if oh, yeah. someone was to step on stage with you, what could they do to delight you? What could they do to delight me? Honestly, uh, one of the things that always delights me is super emotional improv. Yes. I love, like, so it's so weird. Even though I still love, I, I, like, I still will always think from a game standpoint, and I love, I love playing game. I, I miss doing, like, really just, like, emotional and sometimes even just dark improv of, like, of things that, like, I, it was so fun, actually. Uh, I can't, I can't remember his name, but he's a teacher from Second City, Toronto. And, um, and he showed up uh, at our Kinky Fish Improv Jam the other night, and we were just talking, and I was like, oh, cool, you you teach at Second City. I was like, uh, for this Bring Your Own Team Jam, do you want to just do a two-person set with me? And he's like, I'm really tired, I'm jet-lagged. I'm like, come on, please, like, <laughs> just, just give me this right now. And, uh, and he's like, okay, okay, fine, fine. And he played with such, like, a, from such an emotional standpoint, and we did this whole thing about this kid who... Um, who had some sort of just like 
emotional disorder based on the fact that his mom had died and the hard time he was having from that wow. and me playing his father just trying to just trying to show him that I still loved him and even though I had started dating already it had nothing to do with me not caring about his mother dying it was more of the fact that I didn't know how to survive and I didn't know how to do this on my own without her anymore mm. and so just playing this super emotional super grounded scene but then of course and this is what I always teach is like if you play things real the funny things are going to happen mm. and when those funny things happen they're going to be so much stronger so actually my intro course that I always teach for long form out here is called no need to be funny because I the one of my biggest pet peeves from when I uh, was teaching back in the states or even just taking classes as well was you would have these intro classes that would just become dick measuring contests of who's the funniest person in the room. And because everyone's trying to be the funniest person in the room, we actually lose sight of how to do good improv, which is what we should be learning in those improv in those intro courses. And so, and that's why in those, intro, in my intro course, that I always teach, I'm always like, let's stop. We're not going to focus on comedy at all. Mm -hmm. We're literally just going to focus on, doing something that is grounded, something that has a point of view, something that is strong. And you know what, if we go dark, great. I have no problem with that. If we need to work through stuff right now, cool, awesome. I'm all on board with that. But we, I, will, I tell everyone, I'm like, watch this scene. And if you guys stay true to yourselves in this scene, you're gonna have some of the biggest laughs that you're gonna possibly get uh, while doing this class. And of course, it always works out that way. They play things true and funny things come up and they realize when playing something true and that funny thing comes up, how easy it is to spot. And they're like, okay, cool. Now we know what that is. Let's hold on to that. Let's keep on doing more fun, grounded stuff. And then we can also throw this game in there anytime we'd like as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Yes. Uh, but that, that's the, that was the longest-winded response to what I like to see. But yeah, I love to see emotionally grounded and just some super emotional, uh, super dark uh, improv. I think that's why, I think that's why uh, like one of my favorite improvisers to, to ever watch is Jason Manzukis, um, who is an absolute delight because he... Like, don't get me wrong. He he could go off the he could go off the on the crazy train uh, very easily. But he also plays things so real. Mm. But he also plays things so beautifully dark that you could just I I could watch him improvise for five hours straight, and I <laughs> think it would be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But yeah, cool. Um, what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you when improvising? <laughs> so okay so my two most embarrassing things come from doing a uh, short form um so while, while i was with national economy theater there's uh there's a game that comedy sports and national economy theater do in particular that's called five things which is a guessing game and i and i and i think this and i teach this when i teach my short form class is i think it's the only game that if played right an audience could walk in see your show you could have the worst show of your life but if you do a good game of five things they will walk out saying that was the greatest show <laughs> um it's honestly it's honestly that strong of a fucking game um but so in the game you have a person who's guessing different activities and then activities are taken uh you remove parts of the activities and replace them with random things so for example i'll just give an example right now um say we got an activity is basketball and so uh the team that he's playing against uh is not a team who is it it's uh the incredible hulk and instead of the basketball it's not a basketball it's a uh, jello flavored uh or no it's a uh, lemon flavored jello cool awesome so my job as a clue giver is to show this to the guesser by using pantomime and gibberish. <laughs> and so the reason why I said both the Hulk and Jello was because those are my two examples of the uh, most embarrassing things I've ever done. <laughs> um, so the the most embarrassing one was uh, I had to show this uh, improviser Gavin Bowen um, the replacement of Jello, and so I was not raised on Jello at 
all. Like that, the gel, I never ate Jello, or I found Jello to be very disgusting, and um, so I never, I never, um, I never ate Jello. But it, Jello was one of the most common suggestions yeah, really. uh, that we would get in improv. Yeah, and no matter, and that's why uh, we would always get something to be flavored as when we would get Jello, just to make it harder for us. But yeah, like every city has their thing. Like when it back in my hometown, it was Costco. Uh, in San Diego, it was Jello. Um, skydiving was another very common one that we would always get as well. Um, spatula was another yeah, common one that I would get. Spatula is very common in. here too. Like, yeah, with spatulas. Yeah, yeah, because people are like they're like, ooh, this is I'm so unique. I can say clever words. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Um, but because we had gotten so often, I'd seen other improvisers playing this game make Jello. And so what I would always see in this, and so what I did was I uh, took out the bowl, I took the packet, I opened the packet, um, I put some water into the bowl, I poured the packet in, I stirred it, and then um, I, and then this is the, I would always see them put the jello in somewhere and then look at their watch to time it. To me, there's only one reason why you would ever time something, and that's because you put it in the oven. <laughs> so I put the oven. I put the I put the Jello in. I close the oven. I time it. I take it out, and I'm like, and I'm like, blah, 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 like with that. And it was one of, and it was one of those moments where the audience, like, literally, I've I've never seen an audience take one person's side more so in my life. That Gavin Gavin Bowen, who was the naive person here, he had no idea what was going on. He literally was like, "You're trying to show me Jello, but you're a fucking idiot who doesn't know how to do it correctly." So in gibberish, he then he then showed me how to correctly make Jello and was like, "Get that oven out of here, put it in the fridge," and the audience was like. Like, like everyone turned on me. Like it, was, it was one of the most embarrassing, but uh, one of the most brilliant things I've ever experienced and seen happen uh, in a show where the naive person became the clue giver to the person who actually knew what was going on. Um, and then my other embarrassing one was we got the uh, we got the change of Hulk, and I was wearing I was wearing my uh, black dress pants and my black shirt and my tie. And uh, I went to Hulk smash on the stage. And when I Hulk smash, just like the Hulk in real life, I ripped my pants <laughs> in half. And, and I had to do the rest of that fucking game, actually the rest of that show, with the like a giant split down my pants. And like... And I and I was wearing like and I was wearing briefs at the time as well. So like my like my junk is just being like perfectly fucking framed. And so yeah, uh, those those are those are probably two of the most embarrassing things that have uh, happened to me. Uh, well, actually, okay, I do have one other. This was this was one of my darkest moments of improv, and this actually happened during the Fringe. Um, and if any of these people are listening, they know exactly what I'm about to talk about. So, were were you up here by chance for the Fringe yes. uh, this year? Yeah, or yeah, okay. So, uh, do you know the venue Barbados? No, I don't think I made it there. Uh, no. So, so Barbados is on the Cowgate. It's across the street from Espionage. Um, but Barbados is literally, and I'm not joking when I say this, it looks like a crack den. Like, it's, it's as, like you, you have a bar on the first level, and then you have to walk into, like, this back room and then take these, like cracked in stairs up a couple floors to actually get to where your space is you walk out there it says you have rebar still sticking out of the walls like this like the walls didn't even go all the way up to the ceiling <laughs> so if anyone was outside your room and talking you heard everything on stage if there was and like for example the committee was performing at this location and the committee had the shit had to deal with the shittiness of performing on the floor just above the bar. So the music in the bass is literally just rattling the oh, entire man. room while they're trying to do this amazing long form set. You know how the committee is. Like they're doing they're doing like legit, like organic style edited long form. And you're they're having to deal with this bullshit that's taking you out of what you're watching <laughs> and everything of that nature. But 
So there also, there was no real lights in the room. They just had lamps set up as your lights. And when we first started our run, we did a month long run with, uh, with couch, uh, um, called improv cage match at Barbados. And, uh, one of the nights, uh, we only had one lamp that was working and we're like, okay, here we go. So we're doing this and the group before us is doing an improvised movie and it's a bunch of members that are usually on our house team, but they're doing their own thing for this night as our guest. And the light goes out about halfway through their set. And they're doing the movie, which is a very physical and very visual format. And so the, and so the audience is like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> half, of the, uh, half of the audience is leaving. And then we're like, okay, cool. Let's, uh, so we're talking with our, how, with our house team that night. And we're like, you know what? Lights are out. Let's do what, what we should do. Let's do a bat. Why not? Let's do, let's do a fuck. Like, let's, let's do a fucking Herald in the Dark right now. So we do a bat, and, um, <laughs> and the audience was not on board. Oh, no. They were, like, half, <laughs> as I said, half of, the, half of the audience already left, and this audience wasn't on board. And so me and another member went out and sat in the audience, so we were literally, like, surrounding them while doing this. And we, none of us were really listening to each other or anything of that nature. Like, none of us were just like, we weren't doing the best improv. The audience wasn't on board. And I was, and there was three girls that were sitting right behind us. And one of the girls, I overheard her say to her other friend of like, why are we wasting our time with this <laughs> right now? And I, I died inside. It was, it was <laughs> one of the first moments that I was like, that I literally question my existence and why I do this art form, and um, and it was one of the hardest things. But it, it, someone quickly told me is like, "Hey, this is what the fringe is." Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. We had a shit. We had an absolute shit night tonight. But guess what? Tomorrow night we're gonna have a great show. And sure enough, the next night we fucking killed. Yeah. And in and, and everything that happened that night before never will happen again. But still deep down inside, I'm like, someone saw improv for the first time that yeah. night and walked away being like, that's what improv is. And now I'm <laughs> stuck here knowing I just ruined that person's experience, which breaks my heart. Yeah. It absolutely breaks my heart. Um, and it was very embarrassing for me. But yeah, so those were some fun things and a very depressing <laughs> thing. But, uh, embarrass the shit out of me but don't give up to anyone that's listening yes. don't give up on your dreams yes that's a that's a good message okay so uh <laughs> uh big big final question uh and then we'll talk a, we'll uh, talk about the edinburgh international improv festival again uh big final question is what's your signature move what do you do that is your go-to that you bring down the house you save the day they go classic jason Fuck. Honestly, I don't I don't know. I I honestly don't know. Like there okay, I will say like there when it comes to when it comes to group games during the Herald and stuff like that, there is a there is a very specific group game that I love to do every Herald. Um and it's just uh it's just um it's called it's called news conference. And, uh, and it's, or press conference and it's just, uh, everyone goes out into the audience and just starts drilling, uh, starts drilling this supposed straight man that is fielding your, fielding questions based on a topic that you've given them, uh, based on something from the opening and just really fucking drilling them until they break somehow. And then, and it just, it goes into mayhem, but it's such a fun group game and I absolutely love doing it. I will say that is something that like, I'm like, okay, this Herald needs some life right now. Let's play, let's play this game right now. Um, that I would say that that's maybe my go-to and probably my reporter that I always play when I do it with like, it's the same fucking voice that I do for this reporter every time. Like I always like slip into that character, which, which is kind of just a Charlie Day-esque, like always sunny in Philadelphia type voice character, which is just like, <laughs> the question here I, what, I, like that kind of that kind of annoying piece of shit voice um but yeah um i, I don't know i i like i 
I I one uh, uh, note that I used to get a lot when I was when I was going through classes and things of that nature was um, stop stop uh, falling in love yeah. with all your opposite scene partners. Um, right. I think I did that almost. I think I did it almost to a fault. Right. Uh, when I was when I was like earlier earlier in my career was I'd just be like oh well I, we shouldn't be fighting so instead I'm just going to confess love to the other person at, at some random point like we could be doing anything and I'd be like hey um I love you and and the, <laughs> I remember at the time this was when I was uh uh, this was at Second City, and I remember a coach at the time whose Mark Warzeka was like, "Stop!" <laughs> he was like, "He was like, Jason, for this scene, I want you to tell this person off and get the fuck out of here." And I was like, "Okay, Mark, sure, you know what? If that's what you want, that's all I'll give you right now." But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if I really have a go-to. I love playing film noir, like detective type characters. Well, that's lucky, um, considering how often film noir comes up as a suggestion. You're very lucky that you enjoy doing yeah. it. Oh uh, well, like I also did a two. I do a two-person show every blue moon with an amazing improviser named Will Name, um, oh, yes, who's a part of the yes. group. Uh, he, spont- spontaneous yes. players who do spontaneous Potter and MC Hammersmith, all that shit. Yes. Um, but uh, we do it. We do an improvised two-man film noir called Grits and Grammar. Um, <laughs> he's obviously grammar. I'm obviously grits. <laughs> and. Um, and yeah, like it's uh, film noir is one of my favorite things. So anytime I have a chance to play a film noir style like uh, Private Eye Detective, oh, I will jump on that <laughs> in a heartbeat. But but no, I, yeah, I don't know if I have like a, something in my pocket where I'm like, oh, this show's going bad right now. Let me get out this mm-hmm. old uh, this old dollar bill. Do you, do you have that thing? Um. Um. So I suppose it's uh, just having an emotional reaction. It's just um, choosing something and having an emotional reaction to it and actually just trying to deepen rather than widen. So it doesn't really matter what it is, but I would just focus on that one thing and try and get us just to talk about that one thing. And have an emotional reaction to it. So is, so it's so it's continu- So in the way you're continuing, you're intinu- you're continuing the, uh, the, uh, was was the word that I'm looking for. Um, uh, so you're you're once you figure out what the why is, you're like you keep on looking at the why instead of then asking the okay if this is true, what else is true, and really widening that thing and playing that thing more. Or yeah, so um, I'm not very good at if this is true, what else is true. I, I recognise it's really okay, yeah. useful thing to do, but I kind of struggle to do that. So if I'm having a poor show or a poor scene. It tends to be because we've got like a million ideas and we haven't focused on anything in particular. So what I try and do okay. is um, I try and play um, uh, an emotion, I have an emotional reaction. I try and make it as truthful as I can um, and I just try and focus on one thing and make the scene about that thing. And then once we've got that focus, then we can start bringing other things in. But if we just... If there's just like a hundred ideas around, we don't know what's the important idea. I think that's probably what I try and do. So, okay, cool. So you like to take over the manager role. You like to be like, "Hey guys, <laughs> like let's you all you you fucks calm down." Right now, okay? <laughs> well, Pop Papa's gonna get us figured out on one thing, and this is what it is. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I uh, I like the way you that's describe cool. that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Right, uh, let's uh, let's briefly talk about the Edinburgh International Improv Festival again. And uh, for those that weren't watching mm. at the beginning, what do people need to know? What can they do now? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Edinburgh International Improv Festival is going to be February 7th through the 10th. Um, it's taking place at the Scottish Storytelling Centre um, and also Assembly Roxy. And um, it's uh, in Edinburgh, and we already have announced three of our amazing teachers, which are going to be um, Dummy, uh, which is Colleen Doyle and Jason Schatz, 
And also John Murray, who is famous from such teams as Death by Ruru, and also ba- uh, also Bastion, as well as uh, he's also one of the writers, uh, or plays one of the writers on 30 Rock wow. as well. Um, yeah, so uh, he's he's a really, he's a great guy. Um, so yeah, we're going to have three of them. Also, we still need, we still need to announce another one, so uh, keep your, keep your <laughs> ears and eyes peeled for that shit, folks. Um, but yeah, uh, we have submissions currently open. Uh, they're ending in nine days. Um, they end on the 31st. So get your submissions in. You're doing submissions. If you want to go to our website, which is edimprovfest.com, uh, you can click on this uh, on the application link there, and that'll take you to the Improv Network. Um, or you could just go to the Improv Network. I believe it's theimprovnetwork.org, and apply there. Um, for people that are applying, if you're like, hey, I haven't got my email confirmation yet, go to your spam hmm. folders. There's a good chance it's in there. If not, email Bill Bender. He's gonna listen to this and be like, "Please stop telling people." <laughs> but yeah, email Bill Bender uh, because he's the tech man who is getting more and more frustrated by me every day. Um, but yeah, uh, go there, apply. So we're taking right now a couple submissions. One of which is team submissions, um, which is quite explanatory. It's how we all usually do festivals. But then the other one is the fun thing that we're doing called ensemble submissions. So if you want to come up here or come out here or come over to here um, and you uh, don't have a team that wants to come with you or it's too expensive for you to bring an entire team with you, um, you could apply as a single rider. And as a single rider, you are put on a team with seven other people. You are going to do a 30-minute set and at the festival on Sunday. And then last but not least, you're also going to get coached by a, a guest teacher who we will also be announcing, hopefully very soon, <laughs> if they will get back to me and sign an effing contract. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so that's, that's going on on that front. Honestly, we're so excited about this festival. Uh, We're really excited to show the world what Scotland has to offer in improv, but also at the same time, have the world show us what they're doing as well. Um, Yeah, if you do short form, long form, uh, uh, medium form, (laughs) uh, (laughs) musical improv, uh, anything, uh, submit. Honestly, we're looking at a little bit of everything. We've had teams already submit that do improv with robots. So that's <laughs> fucking mind-blowing. I didn't realize that was a thing. Um, as well as we've had uh, musical improv teams. We've had a murder mystery team submit as well. Um, so yeah, we, we've had tons of submissions, so please submit. We want to see everything. We want to get a wide variety of talent there. Um, I will say we are a little bit more long-form uh, sided then short form, but we're still definitely going to have short form improv going on at the festival. So don't be afraid to apply because of that. Um, yeah. Also, oh, one last thing. If you could uh, go on Facebook and Twitter and um, like us and follow us on those things, we'd greatly appreciate it um, because, yeah, we want to hear from you and we want you guys to hear us. Um, I promise not to spam you guys too much. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's about it. Fantastic. The only leave, the last thing for me to do is to say thank you for being a guest on the Improv London podcast. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. This, uh, this, thank you for having me in London. This is so beautiful. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. I made this. That's improv! <laughs> <laughs>